New Horizon has been serving the church in Northern Ireland since 1989, and we're delighted to bring you this talk today. We trust you will be blessed through this ministry. Now, it is a delight for me to um, introduce, not that Fanta Clark needs any introduction. He worked here, was it 15 or more years? Um, we worked in the same building on certain days, and we had a lot of fellowship. We've known each other since 1962, and you can do the miles as you, in, at your leisure. Um, so it's great to have a friend, a friend who carries the, uh, not just the name, but the humor and fun and delight and integrity of a believer. And uh, Fanta, it's great to share this with you. The other thing is this, that possibly many of you will have a copy of this, Going for Growth, which Fanta wrote. Copies are available at the bookstall, and it's uh, on Peter, uh, Epistles to Peter, and I dip into it from time to time, not this copy, but um, it's great because there's not a lot of what you might call modern stuff on Peter, so far as I, I know. Thank you for going to the trouble. So just I'll pray and then Fanta will, will come and share and then he's hoping to stop a bit ahead of the time. Then there's an opportunity for some questions or objections or whatever. Um, and, but uh, all you need to do is put your hand up if you're ready to, to uh, say something and we'll bring a roving microphone to you. But let us pray and ask the Lord to enlighten our minds and uh, our spirits. Father, we thank you that the joy of having a mind that can be renewed is <laughs> you're the great re renewer. And you're not only one, Lord, to renew our minds, but our attitudes as we've been learning. So we pray that uh, the joy of exploration this morning into new thinking, that we may expose or be exposed to a godly agape ways of expressing your love to those who are bewildered and in difficulties over this subject. We pray that you'd give Fanta an ease of expression and give us alert and good listening spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much indeed, John. Much appreciated. And let us know when you're doing your one-man show. I think it will be very good. Wasn't that an amazing introduction this morning? It really was. John and I have known each other since Pontius was a pilot. And I know some of you will find this very hard to believe, but I was actually a young teenager when he was a leader at the Script Union camp I was at. And but just to put it in context, he was a student at Queen's at the time. And this is one of my passions. If you're in your late teens or early 20s, student age, that kind of age, please, please, please invest in kids and young people. I've often thought my crusaders, now urban saints leaders, uh, script union leaders at camps often were university students. But we as young teenage boys saw in them something of Jesus. And thanks to their willingness to serve in this way, there are now many Christians all over the world and in Christian leadership over the world. So thank you, John, for all those years ago. We've been friends ever since. And the building that we used to meet in for 15 years here in Coleraine was Coleraine Hospital. He was in one bed in ICU and I... No. <laughs> John was a consultant in the hospital and I was a chaplain and it was just a real privilege to serve together on many different occasions. Well, what an important theme this is, PC Church, post-COVID Church. And of course, uh, during the season of COVID, we've had many jokes, haven't we? Here's one that somebody sent me. Note the date, 14th of June, 2051. Stay home, protect the NHS, save lives. And it'll only be another four weeks until we unlock. And uh, sadly, I think sometimes we think there may be a truth in that joke. But what I want to say this morning is what a season we've just been through and what a season we are still in. And I think this is a hugely important theme for us to look at, not just for churches, but for us as individuals as well. And just briefly, the structure of what I want to do is, first of all, I want to take a look at the season. 
some of the marks of the COVID season and some of the effects it's been having on churches, and then look for a word in season. What is the Lord saying to us as a church at this time in the history of the world? And isn't it fascinating, again, again, and again in the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, this is a message that comes through. God's people, listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. And you know as well as I do that too often we listen to other voices rather than listen to the voice of the Lord. We listen to voices in our culture. We listen to the voices in the media. We listen to the voices of celebrity. But how important is it? Is it top priority that we as God's sheep are sheep with ears and we listen first and foremost to him? He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Isn't that amazing? That's one of the themes running right through the messages of the risen Jesus to the seven churches in Revelation, Revelation 2 and 3. But Jesus again and again in his teaching emphasized consistently the importance of listening. Now here's a question. I'd love just to hear some quick responses from you about this. What do we understand to be some of the greatest pressures on churches in this post-COVID time? And could I just say, in case somebody mentions this, arguably we're not post-COVID yet. Because in the last couple of months, I think Helen and I know more people than we've ever known who have had COVID. Uh, and more than any time during the last two and a half years. So what would your quick responses to this be? What do you understand are some of the greatest pressures on the church at this particular time? Yes, just shut it out as loudly as you can, and I'll repeat it in the mic here for recording purposes. Okay. Yeah. And are you then saying by implication they're not willing to change that really or maybe wondering? Okay, very valid point. People have enjoyed spending time on their own or with their family on a Sunday morning. I mean, we've heard again and again sitting in the pajamas and the mug of coffee, watching a screen, isn't that right? And maybe flicking around different screens. So we're looking at one church this minute and five minutes later, we're looking at another church and five minutes. Isn't that right? We're doing a kind of tour of the churches. Great point. Somebody else said they're at, yep. Relevance. Are we relating to the culture we're in? Are we relating to the people who are part of the church? Is that, yeah. Okay. And it needs to be life-related relevance. Yep. Committed leadership. Now, can I just ask you just briefly to expand on that? In fact, I'll tell you what, let the listeners hear your dulcet tones. I'm thinking particularly of volunteer leaders in, the, in a congregation in terms of weekly commitment or monthly commitment to an activity. Yeah. Very, very good point. And I've heard that from many church leaders today, the challenge of what we call volunteerism. People are willing to serve if they're paid to be served, to, to serve, but to serve voluntarily is becoming an increasing challenge in many churches. Somebody here had a hand, yes? Changes that would have taken place gradually over three years are upon us all at once. Okay, changes that would have taken place over a period of years are on us all at once. I've just realized you spoke into the microphone for that, but anyway, the listeners have heard it twice. Yeah, so the speed of change sometimes. <clears throat> Mind you, in other churches, change is as rare as seeing Lord Lucan riding Shergar. Isn't that right? There is no change at all. And their approach seems to be the SOS approach, same old stuff, and nothing is ever going to change. In fact, we were having lunch with some friends yesterday, and uh, one of the themes in the conversation reminded me of a story the wonderful Christian leader David Watson told many years ago. And uh, it was of a visiting preacher going to an Anglican church. And in an Anglican church, there are church wardens who are people who serve voluntarily. <clears throat> and the visiting preacher said to him, how long have you been a church warden here? Oh, he said about 40 years. Oh, I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes in that time. Oh, yes, I have. But I've opposed every single one of them. 
<laughs> Do you know that kind of feeling? And that's a kind of consistent gift that some people have. Okay, all of those points are really valid. And I think some will resonate as we, yeah, just one. Is there one more? No? Okay. Um, um, some of those will resonate with some of the points that will come up. I think fundamental to what we're looking at today are these verses in the book of Hebrews, whoever wrote Hebrews. But it's part of our scripture, and we need to hear what the word of God says. Remember, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What is God speaking into the situation today? And I am utterly convinced this is one of the key Bible passages for what we call this post-COVID uh, era in the church. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Those last few words give us the context we're nearer the return of the Lord Jesus than we've ever been. That day is approaching when the climax of history is going to be reached. And what is the writer of the Hebrews saying is to be one of your priorities and mine if we profess to be disciples of Jesus Christ? Well, he tells us we're to consider certain things. In other words, as we heard this morning in the Bible reading, we're to use our minds that God has given us. All right? Secondly, what are we to consider? How we may encourage each other, spur one another on. To what? To love, to good deeds. That is so important in this post-COVID church. One of the things that has really encouraged me during the last two and a half years is how many churches here in Ireland actually caught the vision of during this season to show love and do good deeds. I could keep you here for ages sharing stories about different churches in Ireland that have really shown acts of kindness in their local communities. I know one church which shall remain nameless, and this is just one of many, many examples. They decided to give people in their community who are, were in particular circumstances food worth around about 40 pounds from Tesco's. You wouldn't believe the responses they got from the community. Now, this wasn't just to people who go to church or who assemble together. This was to people who were in need in the community. And people were sending messages back to the church. We don't know why you're doing this. Why are you doing this? We can't get over. You're showing us kindness. We don't go near a church. And isn't that something that God wants? According to Hebrews, it is. According to what we heard in our Bible reading this morning, it is. So I am utterly convinced that one of the things that is vital in our culture today, not least here in Ireland, but also in many other parts of the world, where sadly the reputation of a local church is not for good deeds. It's not for outward love. It's for things that are ugly and dark obscene and totally against the will of God. Some of you will have heard me say before, we lived in Cavan for 12 years and I was serving in County Cavan, County Leitrim, County Sligo, County Roscommon, part of County Fermanagh as the Bishop of Kilmore Elfin and Arda. And I'll never forget one day in Longford, we were having some diocesan meetings, a succession of meetings, and we had a break at lunchtime and I a few of us went into Longford. It was only a few hundred yards into the centre to get something for lunch. And I was waiting to cross a road. And I had my clerical collar on. And a total stranger stopped his car, saw me with the clerical collar, didn't know who I was, but saw the clerical collar, rolled down his window and he shouted at me with anger in his face, I thought you'd be ashamed to be dressed like that today. And that was the day after another child abuse report had come out in the Republic of Ireland. He assumed I was from a tradition I wasn't, and what did he associate with the church? Child abuse. Total opposite of outward love and good deeds. If ever, if ever, if ever Ireland needed the people of God to show love and express good deeds and acts of kindness, it's in this post-COVID culture. I am 
absolutely convinced of that, folks. I would be a millionaire if I got 20 pounds for every time I've heard people say, oh, so-and-so says he's a Christian. I know what he's really like. May God forgive us. Let's hear what the writer to the Hebrews is saying. And notice this next key bit. Not giving up meeting together. That addresses the point we got about some people have kind of gone solo. We've enjoyed sitting in the kitchen in our pajamas with a cup of coffee on a Sunday morning. And for some it's become preferable to assembling together, meeting up together. But friends, can I just emphasize, what we're experiencing now is nothing new. It happened 2,000 years ago. Otherwise the writer to Hebrews wouldn't be saying this. Some have given up meeting together. Others are in the habit of doing it. Read the Acts of the Apostles. Read Paul's epistles. It is so clear again and again and again. He wants the people of God gathering in community. For that's who we are and what we are. Face to face. I cannot get over the joy and the gratitude with so many people I've met at New Horizon about actually being together again. There is nothing better than, and hey, listen, do you know what I regret to inform you? We're going to be together in heaven. So we may as well get used to it on earth, folks. Let's do a preparation course and spur one another on to love and good deeds and acts of kindness and to be more like Jesus and more Christ-like. Encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Um, I love this book by Rick Hill, Resilient Disciples. Great book. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. It's on the bookstall. One of his chapters is called, and I quote, Committing to Community. Committing to Community. Listen to how he ends the chapter. A New York pastor, Jory Tyson, begins his book, Beautiful Resistance, with a chapter entitled, A Church Coming Back to Life. I like that. A church coming back to life. And Rick Hill says, As I read it, God stirred something within me to believe afresh that the church of Jesus Christ isn't finished yet. Hallelujah. That's not in the book, but I want to say hallelujah after reading that. I'll finish this chapter with Tyson's words and pray they do the same in your heart and life. So here's the quote from Tyson, and it's not the boxer. There is a rumor going around the West that in spite of the avalanche of change and the often repeated accusation of irrelevance, a church has actually survived. Yes, she is stained. Yes, she is broken. But she is here. Her Lord is at work within her. The bride is becoming beautiful. His presence is becoming tangible. The body is becoming functional. Beauty is rising and resisting the brokenness. God will get the glory. But you and I can be a part of the process, or as they say in Dublin, process. I'm not saying it will be easy or even safe, but doing your part to convert the church from compromise to conviction to restore her saltiness and turn up her light is a cause worth giving your life for. Amen. Isn't he so right? This is a cause worth giving our lives for. Not giving up meeting together, gathering together, and be the, being the kind of community that God has called us to be. I believe we live in days of opportunity. Unique opportunity. People today believe in anything. They're looking for reality. They're looking for authenticity. As the Coke ad puts it, they're looking for the real thing. And in the church of Jesus Christ, we see the real thing, whether it's Asia, Africa, Europe, or wherever. So let's be the people the Lord has called us to be and follow his vision. I love these words of the Apostle Paul to King Agrippa. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. 
And God in the Bible has given us his vision for the church. And friends, he wants you and I to live the rest of our lives living out that vision. And part of that vision is that we gather for worship and we're scattered for witness. We come together in order to go out. We come together to build each other up, to honor God, to glorify God, to encourage each other, and then we go out to be salt and light, light wherever it is he calls us. Now, I said we'd look at some of the marks of the season because this is the kind of culture that we go into. Um, the next few slides are from a talk that a man called Archbishop, Archbishop, Archdeacon Bob Jackson gave last year talking to a group of Christian leaders about the church and COVID. And he was asking the question, are we looking forward to getting back to normal? Well, I want to ask the question, what is normal? All right. We want to go for God's normal, God's vision, and not be disobedient to it. I've been asking, whenever I meet with leaders in individually or in a group, I've often asked them in the last couple of months, in terms of your regular worshiping congregation, what are the numbers like now? Are they what they were? Are they more or are they less? And do you know the reply I've had more than any other? We've less. Now, there are some exceptions, praise the Lord. But the answer I hear most frequently is we've less. And I'd say roughly how many less? About a third is the most frequent answer I hear. And then I'll say... And is that across all age groups or is it a particular? And the answer I'll get then is mostly young people and young families. Does that resonate with any here or is that solar systems from your experience? I see quite a few. Now I know there are glorious exceptions, but that means one of our biggest challenges in this season, friends, is how do we as a church make sure that young people and young families feel welcome in the church? How are we relating to them, to their lifestyles? And I strongly suspect we need to be up for some change if we're really serious and intentional about reaching out to those particular age groups. Because not only has church changed for some people, the world has changed. We're in the middle of a time of phenomenal economic and social upheaval. We've only to mention the word Ukraine, and look at all the implications of that. China and Taiwan, North Korea, high, high, high cost of living and going to get higher, we're told. My goodness, what a changing situation we find ourselves in. Some of the differences in the way we've been living will be permanent. We will not be going back to how we were even three or four years ago. The technology will not be put back in its box when restrictions have been lifted. We've discovered a whole new world of technology, haven't we? I know some of us call it the doom of Zoom, but Zoom has been a blessing for many people. It really has, and a way of keeping in touch. We can never go back to the way we were, says Bob Jackson. Um, regarding workplaces, sorry, I hit too far there. Regarding workplaces, you know as well as I do, so many people have been working home, at home. Some are going back to their offices. Some aren't. A whole upheaval. I was with a businessman recently who has spent months away from his offices in England. And he's been living in Northern Ireland for a while, rents an office in Belfast for so many pounds a month. And it's a complete change of lifestyle for him. And he's just one of many. How are we relating to this? Uh, where people live. We are now in an area, those of us who don't live in the Coleraine, Port Stewart, Port Rush area, we're now living in a part, we're, sorry, we're now here in a part of Northern Ireland where, <coughs> where property is more expensive than it's ever been. Did you see the item on Newsline on, on TV recently on uh, the Ulster News. Many of the locals in this area are finding it impossible to buy property because people from outside are paying such huge sums for the property. Completely different to anything that we have seen. This has led to more change. Again, as churches, how are we addressing these things? And Bob Jackson suggests there are four things that we should be doing as churches and as individuals. Four things we should be thinking about. I think these are very helpful. Wider doors. 
How do we welcome people? If the church isn't about welcome, what is it about? What was one of the most powerful parables Jesus ever told? The prodigal son. What did he receive when he came home? A welcome the like of which he'd never had before. I remember when I started out in ordained ministry, my first placement was in Marilyn, and I remember a couple coming along one Sunday. They were a very well-off couple. The wife had trained as a nurse with my wife. Their first time at this church, and they said to me, does it matter where we sit? I, and in my total ignorance and innocence, I said, no, sit wherever you want. They'd only sat down when somebody came to them and said, would you mind moving? This is where we sit. What kind of a welcome is that to give a new family, friends? Why, oh why, oh why, do I have to sit where I always sat? And maybe this is only Anglicanism problem or Church of Ireland. Maybe it doesn't apply to anybody else here, but it does apply to some. I remember hearing a preacher years ago who was Anglican, and he said, he was one of the best preachers I've ever heard, actually. Terry Fulham was his name. He had worked with Billy Graham for a while. He said, in Anglicanism, Anglicanism, we don't so much sit in our pews as defend them. (laughs) Does that ring any bells with anybody? I don't think we're the only ones. I remember often saying to leaders during this season of COVID, you know, for many Church of Ireland parishes, social distancing is no new thing. We've been doing this for decades. He sits over there and she sits over there and they never meet. Honestly, they've been doing that for years. Get back to Hebrews. Meeting together, encouraging one another, praying for one another, (coughs) rejoicing with those who rejoice, weeping with those who weep. We are the body of Christ, God's new community. Hallelujah. And community life is about being relational. It's the sheep relating to the good shepherd, the created relating to the creator, the redeemed relating to the redeemer, the people of God relating to our God and relating to each other. So wider doors, welcome, hugely important, deeper wells. What are we welcoming people into? Is it religious trivia? Or is it a Christ-like church with biblical teaching and preaching? Worship that honors God, mission and ministry, Christ-like mission and ministry being a priority. One of my heroes, Stuart Briscoe, went to heaven in the last week. He was one of the first speakers here, actually, at New Horizon, he and his wife, Jill. And I remember Stuart saying one time, I think it might have been at New Horizon, what is holiness? What does being holy mean? And do you know what his answer was? being deliciously, delightfully, and distinctively different. Just like Jesus. Being deliciously, delightfully, and distinctively different, just like Jesus. And that's the way he wants our churches to be, folks. Deliciously, delightfully, and distinctively different. Not religious boxing clubs. Not sitting as armchair critics but encouraging one another. What did Hebrews say? Spurring one another on to love and to good deeds. Wiser programs. What we welcome people to take part in. What are we going to have to help people live the kind of lives God wants us to live? Smarter structures. What we welcome people to belong to. I remember, again, uh, Helen and I were early on in our years in Christian leadership. I'll never forget, we just had, I think, one child. So we were very new as parents. And we were invited to a young wives group in a church in East Belfast to speak about parenting. It was very daunting because we were just new parents. When we went along to that young wives group, do you know something? Nearly every woman there was a granny. (laughs) Young wives group? Now, ladies, please don't be offended. I know we can be very sensitive about age, you know. I know about a lady who was asked her age and she said, I was born in the year, mind your own business. (laughs) But like a young wives group full of grannies and they weren't young grannies either. Come on. Are we willing to change things and have smarter structures and things that really relate to where people are? Or are we so committed to this, we shall not, we shall not be moved. 
This is what we did in the beginning and all we shall do forever and ever. Amen. That is the philosophy of decline, folks. That's titanic theology. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Pray for vision in our churches. Sketch out a strategy and decide that we're going to do this. Action. Smarter structures. Review existing leadership and organization. Is it fit for the post-COVID future? How do we do pastoral care in a hybrid church? What about online services? Are we going to stop those now or are we going to give them up? Now here's a wee thought. This was something I learned. I wasn't sure about the online services until this conversation. Somebody phoned me one day and he said, Ken, can I just say to you, you have no idea how important those online services are. He said, my elderly mother is housebound. She never gets out of the house now. And he said, you have no idea what it means to her on a Sunday morning to be able to link with her local church. And that really impacted me, folks. There are many people like that. So the days of online, I suggest, are not over. And how are we going to reach housebound people? People in nursing homes. People who aren't as mobile as you and I are. There are all kinds of issues like this to really think about. New leadership roles for the tech savvy. John and I were just saying before getting set up here, oh my, what a blessing to have techie people in our churches, isn't it? So, Next, wiser programs. Um, what an opportunity when everything is stopped to rethink the church's program. I think most churches are still kind of transitioning back. But are we really applying ourselves to thinking, how are we to be the church of God now? What ministry really fits in this situation? What missional models are appropriate for the culture we're now in? And Bob Jackson suggests we start with a blank piece of paper. Listen to the Lord. And let's, you know, do some brainstorming under the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit guide us and lead us. And be really, really serious about this. So that we're not a church that's living in the past. <coughs> Excuse me. I love this. I think this is very helpful. Our new plan and program will con combine three elements <coughs> restart, retain, and start some. Restart, retain, and start some. Now, that will also mean, folks, if we're serious about that, that we are going to, sorry, we're going to get rid of some stuff as well. There's stuff we'll need to go into what the Americans call the garbage. In other words, it needs to go. And that takes courage. <coughs> but that may very well be a part of hearing what the Lord is saying and being willing to let go of what he wants us to let go of. Elements from the past era, some of them need to go. Now, this was in an Anglican context, so forgive this uh, particular little one. The vicar pastor leader will have a nervous breakdown if we don't stop stuff as well as start stuff. I can't get over it, and it's important, I think, for people in local churches to hear this. I've never known a time, <coughs> excuse me, when so many Christian leaders are tired, exhausted, and quite a few just, frankly, burnt out. The whole COVID era has been a huge stress, trying to cope with things we've never had to cope with before, trying to do things we've never had to do before. And, you know, for those who are highly relational, looking into a screen is awful, or into a camera. Sitting face to face with somebody is what St. Paul looked forward to with people he wanted to meet. So there have been huge pressures, and we need to understand that and pray afresh for and support our leaders. So please, just send some things out the door. Looking at two models in the Bible, <coughs> I think a relevant uh, story, the tale of two Sauls. King Saul in the Old Testament, who was a foolish Saul, wise Saul of Tarsus, St. Paul in the New Testament. 
Saul in the Old Testament, I think some of the most aching words in the whole of the Bible are his words, these ones, I have played the fool. I have played the fool. In many ways, the words, those words sum up Saul's life. Contrast those with Saul of Tarsus or St. Paul. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Those words haunt me. I have played the fool. Look at King Saul's life in the Old Testament. A life of missed opportunities, potential unrealized, unmistakable disobedience, <clears throat> and a tragic ending. Compare that with the Apostle Paul. <coughs> For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And at the end of his life, not I have played the fool, but I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. Or I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And can I just say, those words are for churches and not just for us as individuals. As a local church, we want to be able to say, as a community of God's people, we want to be able to say to the Lord, Lord, as a church, as a gathering of your people, we've fought the good fight, we've finished the race, and we've kept the faith. Again, a biblical character that may be very helpful for us to look at in these days. Caleb, a man with a different spirit. Yes, others were thinking one way. Caleb was thinking a different way. I love these words from Numbers 14. Because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. God is looking in the church today for men and women with a different spirit. Men and women who have caught his vision. Men and women who are committed to his vision. Now, being wise. Men who are committed to his vision. Men like Caleb, the Apostle Paul, are being wise. Here's a personal question for us in this post-COVID church here. What are you and I honestly building into our lives to really help us in our walk with the Lord? And I'd love us sometime in the next week just to set aside a few minutes to answer that question personally before the Lord. Because a church is no stronger than the lives of the people in it. So when we're talking about a church, a local church, we're not talking about some nebulous group of people. We're actually talking about ourselves. What are you and I building into our lives that is really helping us in our walk with the Lord? And a second question uh, really to address as a church is not only what do we understand to be some of the greatest pressures in churches at this time that we saw earlier, but how are we going to address those? And could I just emphasize, one size does not fit all. What's right for Becky may not be right for Coleraine. What's right for Coleraine may not be right for Cork. Somebody from Becky here I saw, that's great. You got honorable mention, wonderful. But everywhere is different. So please don't think one size fits all. It doesn't. That's not the way it was in the New Testament. It's not the way it's to be today. And fundamental and foundational to what we're doing, here are the principles we need to follow as we seek to be the church God wants us to be. When I was preparing for this, I came across some words of J.B. Phillips that I'd never come across before. And I thought, these are so helpful for this seminar. J.B. Phillips writes, and this is some years ago, many Christians today talk about the difficulties of our times. Have you heard people say that in recent months? Oh, these are difficult times. How are we going to get through? As though we should have to wait for better ones before the Christian religion can take root. It is heartening to remember that this faith took root and flourished amazingly in conditions that would have killed anything less vital in a matter of weeks. Those early Christians were on fire. There's the secret, friends. 
those early Christians were on fire with the conviction <clears throat> that they had become, through Christ, literal sons and daughters of God. They were pioneers of a new humanity, founders of a new kingdom. They still speak to us across the centuries. Perhaps if we believed what they believed, we might achieve what they achieved. And he also wrote this. The greatest difference between present-day Christianity and that of which we read in these letters in the New Testament is that to us it is primarily a performance. To them, it was a real experience. In other words, they didn't just say prayers, they prayed. It's a big difference between the two. To them, it was a real experience. We are apt to reduce the Christian religion to a code or at best a rule of heart and life. To these men, it is quite plainly the invasion of their lives by a new quality of life together. They do not hesitate to describe this as Christ living in them. Mere moral reformation will hardly explain the transformation and the exuberant vitality of these men and women's lives, even if we could prove a motive for such reformation. And certainly the world around offered little encouragement to the early Christians. We are practically driven to accept their own explanation, which is that their little human lives had, through Christ, been linked up with the very life of God. What I hear J.B. Phillips saying is this. It doesn't matter what circumstances we find ourselves in as a church. If we are linked to the very life of God, folks, we have everything we need to be God's people in this generation, to make a difference, to be salt and light in our local communities, and to see lives being changed. So here's a little exercise for your church. <clears throat> Sometimes, encourage the leadership of your church and think about it ourselves what are our top priorities to be at this time in history what are our top priorities to be as we transition out of what we've experienced in the last two and a half years and we need to come to some kind of agreement how do we start this we pray we start listening okay listening 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 my wife's reading a book at the moment called Sheep with Ears. And sometimes we forget that God's sheep have ears and the sheep listen to the good shepherd. Um, what are our gospel priorities and church priorities? <clears throat> They're priorities of the gospel that those early Christians were willing to live for and die for. What are our priorities? What is it we're willing to live for and willing to die for? Do we have an understanding of what the priorities of our church are right here in this local community? We are not a private club, folks. We're not a golf club, a bowling club, or anything like that. We are the church of God, God's new community. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. My sheep hear my voice. <coughs> I know them, and they follow me. I wonder have some of us forgot the indescribable privilege it is to be one of God's sheep. Do we need to recover that? A sense of awe and wonder at we are the people of God. <clears throat> so in this post-COVID church, priorities in the church, plans in, lines with, in line with God's plans, and our own personal walk with the Lord is vital. With two things I finish, and then there'll be time for questions or comments. Um, do you ever find in your own daily devotionals, personal Bible reading, from time to time, it's as if the Lord just sends an exorcet missile? Doesn't happen every day with me. Maybe it does with you. You're blessed. But from time to time, it happens with me. And a couple of months ago, I've been using Bible in One Year by Nicky Gumbel. It gives you three Bible passages a day and a little commentary in each. <clears throat> and I read this verse in Proverbs chapter 4. And it was like an exorcet missile from heaven. And it has meant so, so much to me. And this is the message version of it. Proverbs 4, verse 18. The ways of right-living people glow with light the longer they live what 
the brighter they shine. The longer they live, the brighter they shine. Friends, I don't need to know what age you are. But what you need to know and I need to know is the releasing, liberating truth of this. The longer we live, God's vision is the brighter we shine. And folks, that's not dependent on health. I have met with people, I can think of one person at this very moment, and some of you knew her, Liz McElhenney, who suffered from motor neuron disease, a horrendous illness. And up until she went to glory, she was shining in the midst of all that she was suffering. The longer she lived, the brighter she shone. And that's God's will for you and, with, and for me. With this I finish. <coughs> uh, I think I showed this at New Horizon a few years ago, but I still get excited by this little video, which I hope will excite all of us about being one of God's people and in his church and give us a fresh vision for the church in this post-COVID era. J. John, famous, well-known evangelist, preacher, teacher, just listen to this. People often say to me, they say, J. John, you know, what, what do you do? And it's always very difficult to know what to say. Because if I say to you that I'm a reverend, which I am, that conjures up certain images in people's minds as to what I might be. So I like to be a little bit creative in telling people what I do. I sat next to this lady on an aeroplane at Heathrow Airport and I said, hello. And she said, well, hello. And I said, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. Then she said, what do you do? And I said, well, <laughs> I work for a global enterprise. She said, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. She said, have you? I said, yes, we have. I said, we've got hospitals and hospices and homeless shelters. I said, we do marriage work. We've got orphanages. We've got feeding programs, educational programs. I said, we do all sorts of justice and reconciliation things. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death and we deal in the area of behavioral alteration. <laughs> She went, wow! And it was so loud, her wow, loads of people turned around and looked at us. She says, what's it called? I said, it's called the church. Isn't it? If we are a follower of Jesus, wow. then we are part of a global That's enterprise. But not only is it global, it's intergalactic because it includes everyone that's gone before us. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? What a privilege to belong to that group. And we do. So the longer we live, the brighter we're to shine. Questions, comments? Don't all rush at once. <laughs> Yes, John. Oh, sorry. You're doing this. You're the, you're the active one. I'll maybe <laughs> transport the... the uh... Ken Robin here. Uh, Robin Holmes, you'd remember me. Uh, I have uh, taken on a role in our church trying to coordinate home groups. But sadly, I found, well, it was bad before COVID, but it's even harder now because people just are frightened of intimacy in terms of socializing, in terms of spending time with people. Um, we can't even have tea and coffee after church because people prefer to go home. So to, to put the question bluntly, there's something still holding people back. Uh, there's still a shielding mentality, and there's still, I'm happy to talk to you in the street, but I'm not happy to sit down and spend two hours in your house. So how would you respond to that? Well, now, anybody else want to respond to that? <laughs> Did everybody hear it? 
it's basically there's still a fear around, and you're absolutely right. And this is one of the realities of the present situation. And actually, to be honest, Robin, I think we need to be sensitive to that. I really do. I think we need to be sensitive to those who are still very nervous about it. We need to assure them it's still okay to wear your mask if you want to. No problem whatsoever. I think we want to try and do everything to allay those fears. I think start small. There will be some who are willing to meet together, so just begin small. Um, what was it? There was a, a German proverb I, I came across, yeah, because I mentioned it yesterday when I was preaching, and it's something like, um, begin to weave and God will give you the thread. Begin to weave and God will give you the thread. So in other words, don't be frightened of starting small. Even if it's just one group, start one group with those who want to. The others who may be a bit more fearful, they might be willing to meet in a Zoom group. I don't know. Explore alternatives with them and then they're totally safe uh, wherever they are. Um, but I certainly think, and this is a personal opinion, we need to be very, very sensitive to those fears that are there because they are real. And they're actually in different age groups. It's not just with an age group that we might assume they'd be with. So I think those would be my first two quick responses. Let's be sensitive to that. Try and facilitate something of them actually communicating, meeting, but it may be in a technological form. And secondly, start with those who are open to it. And make sure it's something good we start with. So here's a suggestion. <coughs> so glad you asked. This is one of the best books I've read in the last couple of years. It's called Love Your Church by Tony Merida. And there are copies of this on the bookstall, so it's first come, first served. There are eight chapters in this book. There are questions at the end of each chapter. And these are the themes that are dealt with. Belonging, welcoming, gathering, caring, serving, honoring, witnessing, sending a vision for our church. And I know some churches, I've recommended this to some, and the minister, pastor, clergy person, whoever it is, has done a series of sermons on these themes. And then the house groups or life groups have studied them each week. And it has been massively helpful, especially in this post-COVID church season. So I would strongly, strongly recommend that. And I say it's on the bookstall, well, well worth reading. If your church isn't interested, buy it yourself and read it. You honestly will be blessed. And it's so relevant to where we're at. John? Anyone else? Who won? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Keep John yeah, fit here. This is great. Uh, we have used that in our church over the last winter. How was it? Excellent. Good. In our home groups. Praise the Lord. It's been but, confirmed. But, <laughs> but, oh, the but. <laughs> it's got to be transferred into reality in the church. Correct. And that's Absolutely. where church leadership yeah. is very important. Here, here. Not to dot all Leave the I's and cross and all the T's, exactly. but where do we go from there? And another issue that would concern me, even at my age, even older than you, <laughs> not sure about you. <laughs> And we're refired, not retired. Remember that, brother. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Is how do we in churches cope with the changing moral climate Oof, wow. and woke culture? Do we just ignore it? Do we shut our minds? Do we discuss it? How do we go about that? Because maybe not for my generation. And yet, when you read Romans, I mean, yeah. sexual relationships then were just the same as they are now, yeah. as if as if they were new now, but they they're not. Yeah. But we know what Paul's views were. Yeah, great. Thank so you so much. Really I'm important. Sorry, but that's a hard one. No, the two things then, the course. I mean, with any course that we do, with any book we read, and the Bible is, of course, the classic example of this, it's not just doing it, it's applying it and living it out. And really, that's personal choice and what we go about and the choice of the church. Let's prioritize actually living this out. The second one is another seminar for New Horizon on that whole issue. It is massively important. And I think, honestly, many of us feel we're kind of stepping in a minefield in this at the moment. But honestly, brother, we are, have to be committed to gospel priorities and principles and God's vision on this. And even though we be persecuted, misunderstood, whatever, if this is the clear teaching of the Bible, this is what we believe, and this is what God says, there is no other. 
And what God says is so important. And I think no matter how difficult it is, we need to keep just sharing biblical principles. Now, could I just say how we do it is really, really important. And I think I, I was at a seminar recent, two seminars on this, by a guy called Nick Park, who's pastor of Solid Rock Church in Drogheda, an amazing church, and he has an amazing story, and it was so helpful. And uh, he, one of his own family, he told us this publicly, is not living in the traditional way, living with a person of the same sex. And he, he said, you know, this has been one of the toughest things in his life that he's had to face. But went to her wedding, uh, there's now a grandchild, and uh, it is not easy. But I think we, we have to, well, I, I just don't see any other way than doing what the Bible tells us to do, honestly. And there is a cost to that. And I think what has happened is, in the past, our culture and the teaching of the Bible, the, the way I put it, there were more like two tracks on a railway line. But now those tracks are going further and further apart. So we as Christians are becoming more marginalized and ostracized if we believe traditional Christian truth. And I honestly think it's a price we have to pay. But how we do it is really important. And what Nick Park suggests is we're not in a culture wars situation. It's he encouraged us to have conversations with people. And building relationships is hugely important. And listening is hugely important. Fantastic. Uh, can we just John. have two more? There's yes. Mary here as one, and then there's another one after. Uh, thank you very much for sharing with us this yeah. morning. Um, I hope I am able to phrase this well, but um, I was wondering what you think about how in the future we as the church can relate to the government. Um, We know obviously in lots of countries, churches are told that if they are open, you know, people will be arrested, even killed. Um, Maybe we'll not get into were we right to close in the first place, but just how can we be wise and ensure that we're still following Hebrews 10, but living under the government that God has said he's elected for us? That's a great question. I think uh, this is a personal response. We can't forsake what God says. We have to meet together. I think there's a difference between a ban that is temporary for health reasons and for the health of the community and for the common good and something that's permanent. In other words, we're under a government that says this is illegal and is forbidden ever, as is the case in some countries in the world. North Korea is an example of that. Thank God we're not in the same position. And I think we do what Roman says, we have to respect the authorities, we have to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but we've also, we cannot let go of the top gospel priorities. And I think the meeting together technologically facilitated us meeting together, but for that to become permanent, would be a totally different situation. And that's where I think we may have to go a separate way to what the authorities might say. I'd, but that's a personal opinion. Okay, can we Sorry have it's brief. There's one more question. One last one from David. Um, that was brilliant this morning and really engaging. I think, I think one of the things, as you said about priorities, is the church has an amazing opportunity now in the middle of a cost of living crisis, in the middle of Ukraine, to be social, Correct. to be out there. Correct. In the same way that we have people not returning to churches, we're going to have a lot of people who will never step foot in. Yeah. So I think it's really important to get people back in. Correct. But on the flip side of that, we need to get back out there. And Amen. you've got organizations like CAP, food banks, Safe Families, guys like that, who can get out there and link us into the community again. And I think yeah. that needs to be like central. I think that's something that's really important. Amen. That's all I'll say to that. Amen. <laughs> Jesus says, come to me and then get out. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think we've got to yeah. finish now. We're, okay. Uh, anyway, just uh, first of all, to, to thank you very much, Fanta. Not only the hard preparation, but the fact you're preaching somewhere else yesterday and no doubt somewhere else tomorrow. Um, thank you for the stimulus. Uh, thank you also for the ideas. Thank you for the direction. Um, and uh, the uh, f- uh, feedback uh, other forms. If you have one and you have time to do it, please bring it and I'll take it to wherever I have to take it. Um, I just was going to make one comment. If, if in this uh, trial, this difficulty, we have to count it all joy when we get trials and difficulties that are hard to solve, then the wisdom is apparently available and if we handle it properly, there's a crown of life 
at the end. And this is really, as far as I can see, what God is saying. I'm trusting you folks with this difficulty. Now follow the rules, stick close to the scriptures, and there's a crown of life when this is handled as you have just suggested. Thank you so much. We just say thank you to the Lord. Father, thank you for the way in which you uh, stimulate our minds. Our thinking processes can be governed by you. And therefore, the results and the conclusions and the practice will be clear. So we pray that somehow from this seminar, the ingenuity of your spirit will have had a field day in our thinking processes. And the delight and the excitement and the impl implementing of these things will be so new that the present confused public will no longer confuse religion with Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this talk. If you would like to know more about New Horizon, please visit our website at newhorizon.org.uk.